Our first reading is from Revelation chapter 21, beginning at verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It was filled with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious gem, crystal clear like jasper. Its walls were broad and high with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, it was in the form of a cube, For its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. The angel used a standard human measure. The wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with twelve gems. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. May God add his blessing to that reading. Continue the reading from the book of Revelation, starting at uh, chapter 21, verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. 
The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honour into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the centre of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, Everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Father God, as we look at your word, we pray that it will come alive in our minds and in our hearts. I pray that the words that you've given to me will be true. We trust in your word alone. Speak to us now, we pray. Amen. So the Bible is full of many wonderful promises. But perhaps the most wonderful is this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. There are many things we don't know about heaven because it would be impossible for our minds to comprehend it. But one thing we can be sure of is it will fulfil our greatest longings. It will dazzle us with beauty. It will obliterate our greatest problems with power and splendour. It will be greater than anything we could possibly imagine or dream. It will be a place where love and joy will reign unspoiled. And God is busy preparing all of that for us. You may have noticed it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We've been gathering around the computer watching all the Christmas adverts coming out. John Lewis, M&S, Sainsbury's. We have our Advent candle lit for the first Sunday of Advent as well. And I'm sure many of you are beginning to prepare for receiving guests in your homes or going to other people's homes for the Christmas day. Uh, for me and my wife, we're going to uh, her parents, going to the in-laws, which I do look forward to because her mum is a very good host. And no doubt she'll be 
already thinking about what to prepare. And I know that when we go to the house, there will be food on the table. There will be plenty of snacks for us to eat during the day. There will be drinks keeping cool in the fridge. The decorations will be up. There will be presents under the tree. The bedroom where we'll be staying, it'll all be ready. And hopefully the linen will be washed after Jim's little brother um, is usually in there. (laughs) But why does she do all of this? It's simple. It's just love. She loves her family and her extended family. And that love is felt through all the preparations that are made. So the point is this. If my in-laws are making all these preparations for our visit... How much more does a God of love prepare for time for his children when they come to his eternal home? The Bible says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give, give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, they also may be where I am. Unfortunately, it seems that heaven's kind of got a bit of a bad rep at the moment in modern popular culture. People may see heaven as sitting on a white cloud, floating around with a halo above your head. Little angels playing their harps and everything's very quiet, very relaxed and very soft. Or people may see it as a never ending church service, singing hymns for all eternity. I'm letting you make up your own minds about whether that be good or not. And some think of it as a celestial retirement city. It all seems like an apparition, so unreal. There's nothing tangible or physical there. So no wonder many people see heaven as a place of numbing boredom or secretly saying to themselves, is this it? There's so much that could be said about heaven. There's so many differing opinions. What I'm sharing this morning are my thoughts based on the scripture that we've been reading and many other passages throughout the Bible. So let me first say this. Heaven will be real. It won't be some ethereal existence where we float about as spirits without bodies. Why would God take the time to create a new earth if there's going to be no body living on it? Why would we be given new bodies if not to live in a material world? It's my understanding that we were originally created to live as earth dwellers in a material world. Adam and Eve weren't placed on a cloud, but on earth in a garden. Heaven will be Eden restored. We've been living outside of Eden since Adam and Eve sinned, but the day will come when the original paradise God intended us to be a part of will be restored. The new Jerusalem is not floating about in space, it's descending down to earth. The Bible contains this promise concerning the earth. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Heaven will be a real place with real, meaningful and rewarding work for us to do. Heaven will be the fulfilment of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. The Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. The old earth will pass away and God will create a new earth, which will be the home of the righteous. It will not be a strange apparition, but a real world that we've known, only new and better. So here's the second truth about heaven. It will be right. It will be a place of righteousness. All the wrongs of the world will be made right. It will be a place where everything evil is absent. Everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone and only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear. Everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone. Everything hopeful will come. Violent and hate will be gone. And everything born of love will prevail. Every unfaithfulness will be in the past. And steadfast loyalty will be present. Everything detestable will be gone. Everything desirable will be abide with us. All sickness, all struggle, all frustration, all failure, all gone. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Amen. Every wrong done to you in this world will be made right. Every injustice met with justice. And every sorrow will be reversed. Isaiah wrote, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they even come to mind. And he goes on to say, They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. There will be a people blessed by the Lord. They end the sense with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they're speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The corrupted, fallen part of the world will be gone, and God will restore the world to everything it was meant to be in the beginning, unspoiled by human sin. Everything false will disappear, and everything good and true will prevail. The Bible says nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The third truth that's important to understand about heaven, heaven will be relational. In 1991, Eric Clapton lost his five-year-old son, Connor, after he fell from the window of the 49th floor Manhattan apartment. Clapton poured out his grief in song and wrote Tears in Heaven. In the song, he asked the question, Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? Is a question to which a lot of people would like an answer. And to be honest, I don't know for sure. I don't think we could ever know for sure. But if we look at the Bible, I believe it does give us hope. Those who've lost, who've known Christ and lived for him, those who belong to Christ, those relationships will not be lost, they'll be regained and renewed. We experience those relationships at a level we have never known before. Deep, rewarding and fulfilling relationships. That's the hallmark of heaven. Because on earth, we let each other down and disappoint each other. 
many times without knowing it, we hurt each other and fail each other. But there, we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will raise, imperishable, and we will be changed. The Apostle John writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and we'll be like and what we will be like has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our fallen, imperfect nature will be healed and will be, will be capable of intimacy and relationships we can't even imagine in the here and now. And our relationship with God as well will be healed. No more will our love for God be compromised by our selfish love for ourselves and enchantment with the things of the world. Our love for God and our relationship with him will be unspoiled. There'll be nothing between us. No separation at all. Our sinful nature will be taken away. We'll no longer struggle with sin and temptation. Our relationship with God will be so intimate that the book of Revelation describes it as a bride coming to her husband. Full of love and passion with arms open wide. The fourth thing that's important to understand about heaven. Heaven will be rewarding. John does as best he can at describing heaven, but he is limited by language and experience. He would never have seen anything like this before, and he finds it impossible to fully depict what he witnesses in this vision. He talks about the walls made out of translucent gold, built on foundations made of precious jewels and emeralds, Gates made out of a single pearl and streets of gold. The riches of heaven are so great, they use gold as paving material. Jewels are used as foundation stones. What a place this must be. It is so rich and real that the things of greatest value on earth are commonplace. It is so beautiful, he describes it with the best comparisons he could make. But let's say you've worked very hard on earth. You've been faithful to God. You've done your best. You've kept your life free from as much sin as you can. Yet nothing has gone right for you. Your health is bad. Finances are worse. Your children have made nothing but bad choices and your relationships are unfulfilling. You want to say to the psalmist, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All seems so unfair. In this world, where is the justice? Well, Justice is not far away, it's just going to happen in a different place. Because justice doesn't always happen in this world, as I'm sure you all know. But that's because this isn't heaven, and we shouldn't expect it to be. The accounts are settled and the rewards are given in another place at another time. That's what heaven's all about. I'd argue it's delayed gratification, but gratification nonetheless. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain, he struggles with the problems caused by pains of life, and he says, Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. Home is on the way, but we're not quite there yet. Don't make the mistake of thinking it's here. When it gets here, he will make everything new. Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, 
Now give you, I'll give to everyone according to what he has done. Every sacrifice you make on this earth will be remembered. Every sorrow you experience will be dispelled with countless joys. Every rejection will be overcome by an explosion of love. Every work will be rewarded. Far from every mistake being brought out and thrust in front of you, every good thing you have done will be honoured and will be honoured and rewarded. Finally, heaven will be the residence of God. The greatest reward of heaven will be God himself. Nothing we see or experience will be greater than the fact we are with God. We can see God face to face. Paul wrote in a letter to the uh, Corinthians, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. How wonderful it will be to be in the presence of God where we will perfectly know him and know that we are also perfectly known by him and loved by him. John writes in the book of Revelation, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will have no greater reward or relationship than being with our wonderful God and seeing him face to face. At last we can say, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Just as we close in C.S. Lewis's wonderful books of Chronicles of Narnia, the characters who are living in Narnia have completed their time and work there. And in a closing chapter entitled Further Up and Further In, Aslan, who as I'm sure you would know represents Christ, has come for them in order to take them home. They're headed away from Narnia and about to enter Aslan's land, and they are met with familiar scenes. And one of the characters, uh, a unicorn, as it happens can't help himself but cry out I have come home at last this is my real country I belong here this is the land I've been looking for all my life though I never knew it till now the reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this come further up come further in I believe when we enter the real heaven we will say This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old earth so much is because it looked a little like this. It will be a new earth, restored and redeemed, the place we were meant to live. At that time, we'll say with the psalmist, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance the spirit and the bride say come let me hear who says come 
Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Amen.